Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Glad to be here on another lovely Chico afternoon. Late summer is a nice time of year. It starts getting not as hot. It cools off in the evening, but it's still a nice day. I'm very happy to be back after a super busy few weeks of September 15th deadline, which is the extension extended due date of the business returns of the partnerships, LLCs, and S-corporations. That was a lot of work, but I got through it. Unfortunately, on last Monday and Tuesday, I did work till, oh, 2 or 3 a.m. It's just the way it goes. Every April, September, and October, I just have too much work to do by the 15th, so I end up doing late hours, and it works out fine. I'm used to it. I've been doing it for about 40 years now since I graduated from Chico State, and I've been working in the tax world pretty much all 41 of those years. I'm used to it. It doesn't bother me. I actually enjoy it. Once I get in the swing of things, I get back to the office at 6 or 7 o'clock and turn on the music and just Start working. It's actually actually kind of pleasant. So I'm trying to catch up with a business buzz and make sure I'm keeping everyone up to date. Well, what better for a tax guy than to have brought an article that has to do with the Internal Revenue Service? Now, as a CPA, I'm sort of obligated not to badmouth the IRS. And I will say that over the years, I've had a lot of nice people that work at the IRS as far as auditors and people on the telephone when I need help. And generally, the rank-and-file IRS workers are real good people, and they, they are honestly interested in just having everyone pay the correct amount of tax and they're generally not mean people. I mean, I've never met never met anyone in the higher-up level, so I can't vouch for them. One of the latest things that is being proposed, and I believe it's in one of the proposed tax and budget laws that the, quote, Biden administration, end quote, is trying to put through, has to do with the, oh, well, I'll read you the headline to this article. This is from from September 10th. Well, that's when I printed it. It's from Forbes, Forbes Magazine, Forbes Alert. It says, IRS chief tells Elizabeth Warren more transparent bank data can fight tax evasion. The head of the IRS believes more rigorous disclosures from the nation's banks could help fix a yawning tax gap and recoup billions in owed revenues. Well, it sounds so innocuous the way they say it. Uh, It says, in a letter viewed by CNBC, IRS Commissioner Charles Reddick told Senator Elizabeth Warren that relying on banks to report basic information about their customers' deposits and withdrawals could put a big dent in annual tax evasion. Basically, it's saying that 
every deposit, and this is, I'm not certain because I'm just kind of giving you my best recollection of what I read about this. Every deposit and withdrawal made over $600 would be reported directly from your bank to the IRS. So I wonder what that's going to do. I mean, I guess it'll help on some level with more honest tax reporting, but think about the number of people who are going to just stop using bank accounts. Now that the problem there is that this type of measure combined with digital currency means that there is no way to avoid that. I'm not saying it's it's I'm not saying it's not a good idea to report all of your income. Obviously, uh, me being a CPA, I do and I always have my clients do that. But we still are living under what they technically call a voluntary tax system. If it's a voluntary tax system, that doesn't fit with the IRS having all of your deposits in their data bank before you even file. I believe that they would really need to change the whole theory of the tax law as a voluntary tax system if they're going to go so far as to have banks send the IRS all of your bank statement data. They might as well just let the IRS fill out your tax return and they can send it to you and say, sign here if you agree. Wouldn't that save a lot of trouble and put people like me out of business because I prepare taxes and it just, it to me, it's just a little bit ridiculous. I'm not a huge Elizabeth Warren fan, but that's neither here nor there. I don't know why they're talking to her. I guess she's head of one of those Ways and Means committees or something. I, I don't get involved, especially with, especially with those type of senators, who I have no respect for. I remember seeing the, the uh, article on Elizabeth Warren back when she was running for president. I guess a year or so ago. I don't remember, year and a half ago. And it was her, it was her sworn statement applying for college, or I don't know if she was applying for undergrad college or law school, but she signed herself as an, a Native American and swore to it on her application. And uh, as we found out during the 2016 election, she's like 0.2 percent Native American, which is probably national average for everyone. So that was sort of embarrassing. Now you combine the fact that she still keeps getting reelected with the potential problems we have with our voting machines and then everything sort of starts making sense if you see what I'm if you see what I mean. I mentioned before there's a person on uh, used to be on YouTube, now it's on Rumble and I listen to daily news from this man and he's from Alaska and there's that senator in Alaska named Murkowski, and I believe she's a Republican, but she doesn't really vote Republican on most things. What this man was saying is that, hey, I've lived in Alaska for a long time. He says, I have yet to meet anybody who's ever said they voted for that person. But that person just keeps winning and winning and winning every election. Interesting. I wonder if I would run for office if somebody promised me I'd be elected. I probably would. But 
nobody's uh, nobody's offered me that job yet. Now, the next item on business buzz, because the new tax proposals, well, I'll talk about that a little bit. One of the things in the new tax proposal from the, quote, Biden administration, end quote, is a limit on the 1031 tax-free exchange rule. That is the rule that almost all large real estate deals are involved with. It's basically if you want to sell a rental property or a business property and you have a big gain because you paid a million for a building that's now worth $10 million, but you need to move your headquarters from San Francisco to L.A., you can sell that building for $10 million, and if you do it correctly, you never touch the money but you do what's called a 1031 tax-free exchange and you buy a new building in in Los Angeles for 10 million you don't pay tax on the gain of 9 million in the old building but you now own the Los Angeles 10 million dollar building but if you sell that you'll have a big gain cuz you postponed a gain when you sold the San Francisco building i don't want to get this too complicated That is the way commercial real estate works. It's the number one rule that gets followed in tons of large transactions. The new Biden proposal limits that amount of gain to $500,000, which means that a person with an office building with a multi-million dollar gain is not going to do a 1031 exchange. They probably won't sell the building or they'd have to raise the price of the building to cover the income tax on the gain that they're going to have to pay. Either way, it's just a real it's a real mess and it's a real negative for real estate. And I disagree with I disagree with them taking away I disagree with them taking away that major tax break that allows the commercial real estate world to sort of go. That's kind of how that world goes around. And I think it's a big mistake if they take away that giant gain. Now, if you have a small rental property of your own with a $300,000 gain, you would still, under this new rules, you'd be allowed to do the 1031 because your gain wouldn't be over 500000 The problem is these days with inflation and prices being so high, $500,000 gains aren't that unusual anymore. And commercial real estate transactions are pretty much very often over 500000 So that's my feeling there. So now to the business of the Federal Reserve, which is not federal and there is no reserves. I don't know where they came up with that name. It's kind of like the names of A lot of times names of things are the opposite of what they should be called. One thing I remember reading, and it is kind of true, if you look at names of apartment houses, a lot of times apartment houses are named after what they replaced. I used to live in a place when I lived in the East Bay 
It was called Tanglewood Apartments. So they tore down a bunch of wood to build Tanglewood. Uh, and you look at like River River Oak Apartments somewhere, and and you think about the name, it's like, okay, yeah, we had to take down a bunch of River Oaks to build the River Oak Apartments. That's how you figure where these names come from. So when they say Federal Reserve, it's like, hmm. Well, you see private banks issuing issuing the debt of the of the largest economy in the world, the United States. I don't know if we're still larger than China, but we're we're one of the largest economies. Okay, you have private banks owning a private company that gets to issue the debt and it's called the Federal Reserve. But we don't get to vote on who runs it or who or what they do. All we get to do is have our I won't call them limp-wristed. That could be uh, that could be taken as a, uh, a, n- a non-politically correct comment. I'll just say our milk toast Congress gets to ask questions of the chairman of the Federal Reserve. Well, once a month. I can't remember. They they do it every once in a while. But all they can do is ask them questions. They can't do anything about it. They can I believe the president picks the Federal Reserve Chairman for a four-year term. I suppose it gets approved by the Senate. But, I mean, like I say, the milk toast Congress doesn't do anything, really. So the reason I brought up the Federal Reserve is it turns out that the guys working for the private bank that makes all of the decisions with interest rates, easy money, free money, buying up, uh, mortgage-backed securities, probably buying up uh, common stocks of big companies, even though they might not admit it. Those guys have been doing multi-million-dollar stock trades. Can you believe it? When the in this first end of this first break, I'm going to read you an article about that situation, and I'll let you be the judge of whether that is fair or not. Is that, is that something that should be allowed? I mean, when you think about it, if their organization... I'll get to it right after this break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Michael Orlando, Acting Director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center. His office leads counterintelligence efforts for the U.S. government. Psalm 138.7 reminds us of God's protection from evil. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Michael Orlando as he works to protect U.S. assets and interests. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, 
Go to pausetopray.org. Remember the rich young ruler who came to Jesus? Jesus said, well, if you want to follow me, I'll tell you what you do. Just sell all you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. See, there may be something different controlling your heart than what someone might think. True repentance, you come clean with God. David Hockey shares more about our desperate need for repentance. This week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, hoping to give you some entertainment, some education, some news you may not have heard, some opposing viewpoints. I mean, you don't need another person telling you the same thing everybody else says, right? So I won't be that person. I'll be someone different. So anyway, I was talking about the Fed president, so I'm just going to read part of this article from uh, WallStreetOnParade.com. It says, last Tuesday, Mike Derby reported at the Wall Street Journal that the president of the Dallas Fed, Robert Kaplan, had made multiple million-dollar-plus stock trades in 2020, according to a financial disclosure form provided by his bank. The individual stocks included shares of Apple, Google, Alibaba, Amazon, Chevron, Delta Airlines, Facebook, General Electric, Johnson & Johnson, hmm, that's interesting, Oracle, Tesla, and numerous others. Kaplan previously spent more than two decades at Goldman Sachs, one of the largest trading houses on Wall Street, and apparently he thinks he still works there. Think about this for a moment. While Fed Chair Jerome Powell is repeatedly testifying to Congress last year, that it's every monetary move during the pandemic was on behalf of the average American, the Dallas Fed president is making million-dollar bets on big tech stocks the Justice Department is investigating for antitrust activity. In fact, in October of last year, the Justice Department and 11 state attorneys general sued Google for antitrust actions. On Wednesday of last week, Bloomberg News reporters Craig Torres, Katrina Sareva, and Steve Matthews reported that the 2020 financial disclosures for Boston Fed President Eric Rosengren had, quote, listed stakes in four separate real estate investment trusts and disclosed multiple purchases and sales in those and other securities. Fed presidents are privy to market-moving information that the general public is not privy to. That was especially true last year as the Fed took unprecedented measures to combat the economic impact of the pandemic. The Fed slashed the Fed funds rate to zero, established a panoply of bailout programs for Wall Street, and began buying up $120 billion a month in treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. The news reports of the stock trading by Fed presidents rightfully caused outrage over the let-them-eat-cake attitude as thousands of businesses shut down, millions of workers lost their jobs, and families struggled to pay their bills. By Thursday of last week, both Kaplan and Rosengren said they would sell off all of their individual stock positions by the end of September. Hmm, I wonder what that tells you about what the stock market's going to do. 
So I won't beat a dead horse on this one, but, uh, I mean, how crooked can it get? Presidents of the Federal Reserve who are privy to all these decisions before they're made are making multi-million dollar bets on stocks that, for all we know, the Fed's buying them. And if it isn't the Fed, it's the uh, plunge protection team at the U.S. Treasury, which works hand-in-hand with the Fed. Our Secretary of the Treasury now is uh, Janet Yellen, who's the former Fed chair. So, I mean, the whole thing's a disgusting, uh, incestuous, crooked, uh, thieving group of people who have basically stolen America's wealth over the last 108 years, and uh, they get away with it. Nobody can stop them, and you can't audit them. If you say audit the Fed, you're a uh, tin tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist, but they can audit you for your tax return, but you can't audit them. So it just doesn't make sense anymore. So next topic on business buzz. How about the business of pandemics? Ooh. And I am still feel bad for the businesses that lost everything and had to shut down thanks to this, quote, pandemic, unquote. I hope you guys understand what I mean when I say quote and unquote. It means I, I ain't buying it. So this is from a paper, uh, it's called, let me see, it's from, it's a, it's a paper, Scenarios for the Future of Technology and International Development. It's from the Rockefeller Foundation. It was written in 2009, and this is just a little sample of it. Tell me if this doesn't sound very prescient. If you know that word prescient, it means very predicting of the future isk ish this is very prescient written in 2009 scenario narratives this is page 18 of this report the title is called lockstep a world of tighter top-down government control and more authoritarian leadership with limited innovation and growing citizen pushback now remember this is written in 2009 i'm going to read part of this In 2012, the pandemic that the world had been anticipating for years finally hit. Unlike 2009's H1N1, this new influenza strain originating from wild geese, now remember that's instead of bats, it's wild geese, was extremely virulent and deadly. Oh yeah, those geese, they are very, very mean. Even the most pandemic-prepared nations were quickly overwhelmed when the virus streaked around the world infecting nearly 20% of the global population and killing 8 million in just seven months, the majority of them healthy young adults. The pandemic also had a deadly effect on economies. International mobility of both people and goods screeched to a halt, debilitating industries like tourism and breaking global supply chains. Even locally, normally bustling shops and office buildings sat empty for months, devoid of both employees and customers. Does that sound familiar? This was written in 2009. Boy, somebody has a wild imagination. That could never happen. I'll read a little more. The pandemic blanketed the planet. Though disproportionate numbers died in Africa, Southeast Asia, and Central America, 
where the virus spread like wildfire in the absence of official containment protocols. But even in developed countries, containment was a challenge. The United States' initial policy of strongly discouraging citizens from flying proved deadly in its leniency, accelerating the spread of the virus, not just within the U.S., but across borders. However, a few countries did fare better, China in particular. The Chinese government's quick imposition and enforcement of mandatory quarantine for all citizens, as well as its instant and near-hermetic sealing off of all borders, saved millions of lives, stopping the spread of the virus far earlier than in other countries and enabling a swifter post-pandemic recovery. Again, we have the intellectuals of the New World Order basically telling us that the Chinese Communist Party system is the best in the world. Yeah, I'm going to continue. China's government was not the only one that took extreme measures to protect its citizens from risk and exposure. During the pandemic, national leaders around the world flexed their authority and imposed airtight rules and restrictions, from the mandatory wearing of face masks to body temperature checks at the entries to communal spaces like train stations and supermarkets. Oh my God, somebody predicted the future. I remember getting my forehead checked uh, going into a, uh, an Indian casino. I'll keep reading. Even after the pandemic faded, this more authoritarian control and oversight of citizens and their activities stuck and even intensified in order to protect themselves from the spread of increasingly global problems, from pandemics and transnational terrorism, oh my goodness, to environmental crises, lions and tigers and bears and rising poverty. Leaders around the world took a firmer grip on power. All right. I'm not going to read any more of this. It makes me sick to my stomach. But if you've been reading, if you have been reading about what's going on in Australia, which you probably haven't because they won't let that news out, uh, basically it's a police state with a lockdown on everybody, and the protesters are starting to fight back. It's not a good situation. But that's another thing about business buzz. You'll hear you'll hear about some news that you wouldn't have heard about anywhere else. Anyway, I thought that was amazing that somebody, uh, 11 years, well, I'll be back after this second break and we'll talk some more about nasty viruses. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. Hello, this is Samantha Landy, and I bring you Psalms of Hope, heard here on Life Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. So do tune in and join me for beautiful music and an encouraging word from the Lord. Psalms of Hope with Samantha Landy, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon, here on KKXX. Red in tooth and claw? This is Ken Ham, editor of the popular series of books, The Answers Books for Kids. A famous writer once said that nature's red in tooth and claw, meaning red with blood. Animals kill and eat each other. It's an ugly world. Why? Well, the Bible teaches God's original creation was very good. 
Everything was perfect and everything lived in harmony. Animals didn't kill each other. Everything was vegetarian, including dinosaurs. Yesterday, we learned humans and dinosaurs were created on the same day. At the end of that day, God said his creation was very good, perfect. Nature wasn't originally red with blood and tooth and claw, but Adam's sin broke creation and changed everything. It's now a groaning creation. Get free daily email insights from Ken Ham when you subscribe today at AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again or view a transcript when you visit AnswersRadio.com. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, hoping to entertain, inform, maybe enrage if I've got the wrong, if I'm guessing at my audience and I got the wrong guess. Whoops. Oh, here's another whoops. I printed this out. Oh my God, look at these COVID cases. Australia, 20,000. Canada, 45,288. Germany, 100,000. India, 96,000. Russia, 45,000. Spain, 20,000. United Kingdom, 112,853. United States, 460,000. Oh, whoops. I meant children that have gone missing so far this year without a peep from the media. (laughs) That's a little bit of a whoops. I love that article. I've read that before, but I... I brought it again in my little briefcase, and I love it. It's one of those things that makes you scratch your head and say, hmm. Okay, so now we're going to talk, Business Buzz is going to talk about the business, the business of vaccines. How's that? So there's an article here from the Gateway Pundit. And I believe it, yeah, it was written, uh, published September 20th. That's today. That's yesterday. Close enough. And it says, the title of this article is, What? New England Journal of Medicine Backtracks Now Admits COVID Vax May Not Be Safe for Pregnant Women. And the reason I paid attention to this article is that a lot of these articles you read are from some hokey, you know, local paper somewhere, and it's like so. But when you're talking New England Journal of Medicine, that is like, that is the king of medical journals, as far as I know, in the definitely in the U.S., maybe in the world. It says, the esteemed New England Journal of Medicine posted a correction last week and now admits the COVID vaccine may not be safe for pregnant women. The study was updated after it found that 104 of 827 pregnant participants experienced a spontaneous abortion after receiving the COVID vaccine. That is roughly one of eight pregnant women losing their baby after getting the vaccine. 
And it says, uh, let's see, let's see the way they backtracked out of this. It says, here is the corrected update. At the time of publication of preliminary findings in the original article related to this editorial, the number of spontaneous abortions was 104 and there was one stillbirth. However, no proportion could be determined for the risk of spontaneous abortion among participants vaccinated before 20 weeks of gestation because follow-up information was not yet available for the majority of those persons. The article has now been updated. In the fifth paragraph of this editorial, the first sentence should have read, among 827 registry participants who reported a completed pregnancy, 104 experienced spontaneous abortions and one had a stillbirth. Rather than a completed pregnancy, the pregnancy resulted in a spontaneous abortion. These percentages are well within the range expected as an outcome for this age group of persons whose other underlying medical conditions are unknown. Wow. Anyway, if you want to read that yourself, it's, uh, that's pretty scary stuff. But it seems like some of these vaccination facts are being started to be walked back. And uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on television. Don't take this as medical advice. Talk to your own doctor. Don't blame me. So related to vaccines, I've always been very interested in the ACLU. I uh, Actually, when I was younger, I was mistakenly thinking they were helping people, and I, I actually joined one time and gave them some donations. And to this day, they still send me... Uh, they still send me an envelope asking me to rejoin and send my dues. But I think about 30 years ago, I read enough. Uh, I started becoming aware, and I read enough where I realized that the ACLU is not not on my side 90% of the time. Now, they maybe, maybe 50 or 60% of the time they're doing something good. But the, when they come out with when they come out with bad decisions, they are doozies. And I got one for you here. And this is why I will never subscribe to the ACLU again. This is an article from uh, Paul Joseph Watson via Summit News. And it was dated Thursday, September 2nd. And the headline is, ACLU says the state forcing people to take vaccines is a victory for civil liberties says the ACLU has published an article in the New York Times followed up by a tweet which asserts that the government forcing people to take vaccines is a victory for civil liberties. It says, far from, quote, far from compromising them, vaccine mandates actually further civil liberties, the organization tweet ludicrously claimed. They protect the most vulnerable, oh, like the pregnant women? They protect the most vulnerable, oh, how about, how about the fetuses of the pregnant women? Uh, it says they protect the most vulnerable people with disabilities and fragile immune systems, children too young to be vaccinated, and communities of color hit hard by the disease. The tweet linked to a New York Times opinion piece written by ACLU staffers, which further amplified claims that the government forcing people to take a vaccine under threat of them losing their jobs, social lives, and potentially in the future, the right to buy and sell was actually a boon for civil liberties. 
What's next? Maybe the ACLU will call for the government to forcibly incarcerate Americans for their controversial political opinions because it might prevent harm. Respondents on Twitter were swift to ridicule the organization's absurd hypocrisy. Quote, the government forcing a needle in your arm is actually them furthering your civil liberties is quite the take, even from Marxists like you. Thank you for dropping the mask to reveal yourselves, though. That was what one person tweeted. Anyway, I think you can figure the rest of that. You can read that at uh, zerohedge.com, and that's where I get my daily news. In fact, that's where I saw the article, I think it was yesterday morning, where in Australia, 20,000 protesters blocked the freeway, I think, around Sydney. I think Sydney's the biggest city there, and uh, they're, they're very unhappy down there. But you wouldn't know it because... You turn on the news here, and all you get is COVID numbers from all the local counties. And uh, I had another friend today called me to tell me all of his friends are dying of COVID, and I I didn't want to get into a big discussion, but he may want to double-check whether the people dying of COVID have been vaccinated or not. That's kind of an important question these days. Okay. Switching to well, if anybody here has been reading any news at all, I don't know if you've heard about the guy named John Durham, but Durham has been supposedly doing a probe for about three and a half years, and he finally came out the other day with his first indict, well, his second, but first first one in about a year or two. And it was an indictment of a uh, an attorney who was involved with the uh, Russiagate stuff. I'll, I'll let you guys read it. But uh, I just wanted to point out that anybody who's following this, uh, the name Durham should instill, uh, well, put it this way, I, if I were some of these people that, have been doing all these shenanigans lately, I would probably be a little nervous when I heard the word Durham. But that's just my opinion. So more about the business of medicine. It seems to be a big business these days. Has anybody read about the America's Frontline Doctors? They've actually filed a lawsuit. This was back in uh, July. And uh, it's a real doozy. So if you're, uh, if you're interested in learning more about that, I'm not going to get into it in detail here. It's called American Frontline Doctors et al. Plaintiffs versus Xavier Becerra, Secretary of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And if you want to look that up, you could probably just search it, and it's in the the District Court for the Northern District of Alabama, filed on July 19th. So anyway, we'll see what comes of that. I mean, my brother was a doctor, and it really opened my eyes seeing... 
seeing his uh, his education and the people around him, and I'm just shocked at the medical community these days. I guess they're all working for hospitals instead of working for themselves, so they can't speak up. That's all I can figure. I think that's the case. I think they're all. Uh, I think they're all working for hospitals, so they can't. They can't say anything. Well, we're going to be coming up on that last break, and I'm glad to be back on Business Buzz. I'm going to try to make it as a a new show every week. I was so busy lately, I just wasn't able to, and I apologize for not coming on the air every week, but I'm back, and I'll be right back after these messages, so stay tuned to Business Buzz. Hi, this is Pastor Chris Kinson at Community Church of God in Chico. Community Church of God has been a fixture in Chico for many years and now will be coming to you over the airwaves. Our program is called Your Message for Today, broadcast on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We hope that you enjoy the Bible-based teaching and preaching that will be featured on these programs. We'd also like to extend to you an invitation to come and visit us at Community Church of God, 1095 East Avenue in Chico. Our services are at 11 a.m. Sundays and Bible studies at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Come and worship with Community Church of God. Community Church of God, 1095 East Avenue, Chico, California. And our phone number, 530-345-4300. That's 530-345-4300. God bless you. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that our daughters have what they need to grow and learn. But that isn't the case for nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. that struggle with hunger. Childhood hunger is a heartbreaking reality that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and provides it to families and children in need. You can help kids in need in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm glad you've had a little bit of time out of your busy afternoon to listen to Business Buzz, and hopefully I'm entertaining, educating, hopefully giving you some news you hadn't heard yet. I can't get off of this subject, so I'm going to give you a little bit of this subject. It's a real good short analysis of why the price of gold is what it is. So I'm going to just read from the article called The Paper Gold Tail Wagging the Golden Dog by my favorite columnist Egon von Greyers. His website is called goldswitzerland.com. 
And I'm just going to read part of this. This is a good, it's a good explanation of why gold is priced the way it is, why it's so cheap. It says, the paper gold tail wagging the golden dog. When the tail wags the dog, the dog is in a state of disequilibrium that is transitory. This type of imbalance can only last for a limited period or the dog will not survive. There are two options. Either the dog will take control of his tail or shed it. The tail cannot survive without the dog's body, whilst the dogs can cope very well without a tail. Real, unencumbered physical gold does not need the paper gold market to function. The paper market hinders real price discovery. The gold paper market receives a respectability that it doesn't deserve. The gold paper market pretends to be backed by physical gold when in effect it is gold in sheep's clothing. It is like putting a Rolls-Royce badge on a 1950s model Skoda and charging a Rolls price for it. I don't know what a Skoda is. It must be some cheap Swiss car. Then it says the fake paper gold market. So we are looking at paper gold market, which is corrupt and fake. It exists for the benefit of central banks, the Bank of International Settlement, and bullion banks. In the short term, the paper gold market certainly harms the only genuine gold market, which is physical. But artificial markets or instruments have never survived in history. Just look at the fact that every paper currency in history has failed. And so will paper gold. It is only a matter of time. The sheer volume of paper gold trading reveals the desperate pressure this market is under. Gold trading by LBMA banks, which is London bullion market, Gold trading by LBMA banks and futures exchanges amounts to $180 billion per day. This is a staggering 350 times the daily gold mine production. So we ask ourselves how a dog can function properly with a tail that is 350 times bigger than his body. The simple answer is that he can't. I do realize that this is a slight oversimplification, but nevertheless it does highlight how absurd the gold market is today. The only reason why gold trading volumes are totally out of proportion to the actual amount of physical gold available is that 99% of the gross trading activity is in the paper market. And I'm not going to read this whole article. I've already read plenty of uh, gold-related articles, and I've read plenty written by Egon von Greyers, but... Uh, you can go to goldswitzerland.com and read all of his. He writes, I think, one or two a week. And then I think some of his staff guys write a few. But uh, I just like his attitude. And he's his business is actually vaulting your gold in vaults in Switzerland. So now supposedly that's a safe way to hold your gold. And uh, I'm sure it's not cheap, but at least that way you will have the gold. What his point is, is that if you call your broker and say, oh, I want to buy one of these gold ETF funds like GLD, you'll get a paper certificate saying you own so much shares, but you will never get your hands on the actual physical gold that you think you kind of own. That's the problem. So I would definitely, if I were you, I would look at goldswitzerland.com and uh, take a look at it at some point. So I've got a few minutes left. It's been a really nice 
late summer day. Chico's such a nice place to live, and the weather's not too bad right now. I'm I'm enjoying that. So I've got a few minutes left. Oh, speaking of the uh, the dreaded speaking of the dreaded uh, coronavirus, I'm going to read you an excerpt from actually from my website, H Little John CPA. And uh, this is just a short little blog post. I thought I'd share it because it's true. I didn't make it up. And I titled it, This is What Shut Down the World Economy. I recently fell ill for about a week. Two people close to me caught it, on a, caught it a few days later. I won't bore you with symptomatic details, but based on what I have read in the fake news, I am assuming I had COVID or simply a flu bug. In summary, I felt lousy for about a week, and I took some antibiotics and Tylenol just to feel better, as I had a vacation planned during this time. By the way, this is exactly how I feel about once every year or two when I get sick with a cold or flu or whatever. One of the others felt lousy for about three weeks and actually lost their taste and smell for a week, a symptom which, rumor has it, is an indication of the dreaded, world-ending COVID-19 virus. Big whoopee. Now I read that an Israeli study states that natural immunity is 10 times better than the vaccine to fight COVID. Also, I read that Israel, one of the most vaxxed countries in the world, has a very high COVID infection rate at this moment. I am honestly very bothered that the entire world is trying to be shut down over a big nothing burger like this. Remember, old and sick people die every year with or without flu, COVID, or whatever. And I read that the figure of the world's total deaths for 2020 is at about the same level as the previous several years. I feel bad for the businesses that have been devastated by shutdowns that, in my opinion, should never have happened. I don't believe that science was followed. And as far as the vaccine goes, whatever happened to the feminists yelling, my body, my choice? If the vaccine is so good and you have taken it, why do you care who else has taken it? I hereby announce that the BS variant has arrived and it is a doozy. I hope you enjoyed that. I just like hearing my... I like hearing myself talk, and I wrote that myself. So that was fun for me to read that. You can go to hlittlejohn.com. I don't post as often as I want to, but like I said, with my tax season being as busy as as it has been, I haven't had a spare minute to do anything. But I do plan on keeping that blog on the – it's called Insights on my website. I plan on updating it more often. So if you want to read there, you you can see what's on my mind. And I'll probably have some commentary on potential tax law changes because I honestly love seeing the 2018 tax laws that basically lowered almost every one of my clients' tax. And uh, I hate to see that go away if it, if it does go away. So just to end on a happy note, I'm going to read part of my favorite book, which is called A Course in Miracles. It's chapter 18. And it's uh, sub-chapter 3, and it's called Light in the Dream. You who have spent your life in bringing truth to illusion, reality to fantasy, have walked the way of dreams. For you have gone from waking to sleeping and on and on to a yet deeper sleep. Each dream has led to other dreams, and every fantasy that seemed to bring a light into the darkness but made the darkness deeper. 
Your goal was darkness in which no ray of light could enter, and you sought a blackness so complete that you could hide from truth forever in complete insanity. What you forgot was simply that God cannot destroy himself. The light is in you. Darkness can cover it, but cannot put it out. As the light comes nearer, you will rush to darkness, shrinking from the truth, sometimes retreating to the lesser forms of fear, and sometimes to stark terror. But you will advance because your goal is the advance from fear to truth. The goal you accepted is the goal of knowledge for which you signified your willingness. Fear seems to live in darkness, and when you are afraid, you have stepped back. Let us then join quickly in an instance of light, and it will be enough to remind you that your goal is light. Truth has rushed to meet you since you called upon it. If you knew who walks beside you on the way that you have chosen, fear would be impossible. You do not know because the journey into darkness has been long and cruel, and you have gone deep into it. A little flicker of your eyelids closed so long has not yet been sufficient to give you confidence in yourself so long despised. You go toward love still hating it and terribly afraid of its judgment upon you, and you do not realize that you are not afraid of love, but only of what you have made of it. You are advancing to love's meaning and away from all illusions in which you have surrounded it. When you retreat to the illusion, your fear increases, for there is little doubt that what you think it means is fearful. Yet what is that to us who travel surely and very swiftly away from fear? You who hold your brother's hand also hold mine, for when you joined each other you were not alone. Do you believe that I would leave you in the darkness that you agreed to leave with me? In your relationship is this world's light, and fear must disappear before you now. Be tempted not to snatch away the gift of faith you offered to your brother. You will succeed only in frightening yourself. The gift is given forever, for God himself received it. You cannot take it back. You have accepted God. The holiness of your relationship is established in heaven. You do not understand what you accepted, but remember that your understanding is not necessary. All that was necessary was merely the wish to understand. That wish was the desire to be holy. The will of God is granted you, for you desire the only thing you ever had or ever were. Each instant that we spend together will teach you that this goal is possible and will strengthen your desire to reach it. And in your desire lies its accomplishment. Your desire is now in complete accord with all the power of the Holy Spirit's will. No little faltering footsteps that you may take can separate your desire from His will and from His strength. I hold your hand as surely as you agreed to take your brothers. You will not separate, for I stand with you and walk with you in your advance to truth. And where we go, we carry God with us. In your relationship, you have joined with me in bringing heaven to the Son of God who hid in darkness. You have been willing to bring the darkness to light, and this willingness is giving strength to everyone who would remain in darkness. Those who would see will see, and they will join with me in carrying their light into the darkness when the darkness in them is offered to the light and is removed forever. My need for you, joined with me in the holy light of your relationship, is your need for salvation. Would I not give you what you gave to me? For when you joined your brother, you answered me. You who are now the bringer of salvation have the function of bringing light to darkness. The darkness in you has been brought to light. Carry it back to darkness from the holy instant to which you brought it. We are made whole in our desire to make whole. 
Let not time worry you, for all the fear that you and your brother experience is really past. Time has been readjusted to help us do together what your separate past would hinder. You have gone past fear, for no two minds can join in the desire for love without love's joining them. Not one light in heaven but goes with you. Not one ray that shines forever in the mind of God but shines on you. Heaven is joined with you in your advance to heaven. When such great lights have joined with you to give the little spark of your desire, the power of God himself, can you remain in darkness? You and your brother are coming home together after a long and meaningless journey that you undertook apart and that led nowhere. You have found your brother and you will light each other's way. And from this light will the great rays extend back into darkness and forward unto God to shine away the past and so make room for his eternal presence in which everything is radiant in the light. Hmm. Well, if that doesn't make you feel good, what does? Basically, the course, which I've described before, I'm not the world's expert, but uh, it's a very interesting book, and every time I read it, I, I feel better. And the goal of the course is peace of mind. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll see you next time on Business Buzz. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. KXX Paradise K280GL Chico and K283AR Chico Yuba City Marysville Breaking news this hour from townhall.com I'm Keith Peters President Biden traveled to the Midwest to make a case for his economic agenda, which is bogged down by Democratic division. The president escaped a gridlock of his own party with a visit to Howell, Michigan, in a county won by Donald Trump in 2020. He said there's a lot of noise coming out of Washington over his legislative proposals. These bills are not about left versus right or moderate versus progressive or anything that pits Americans against one another. These bills are about competitiveness versus complacency. There's bipartisan support for an infrastructure bill, but Republicans and some Democrats oppose the president's social spending plan. Greg Clugston, Washington. President Biden was met in Michigan by some Republicans. Livingston County Republican Party Chair Megan Reckling says people have come out to protest President Biden's spending plan. I think this is very reflective of how residents, not only here in Livingston County, but real Americans, when you leave the Washington, D.C. bubble, feel about the out-of-control spending that's happening between our president and Congress. A former Facebook data scientist told Congress that the social network giant's products harm children and fuel polarization in the U.S., but its executives refuse to make needed changes because they elevate profits over safety. Francis Haugen says Facebook will not change on its own. A company with such frightening influence over so many people over their deepest thoughts, feelings, and behavior needs real oversight. But Facebook's closed design means it has no real oversight. Only Facebook knows how it personalizes your feed for you. Haugen's accusations were buttressed by tens of thousands of pages of internal research documents she secretly copied before leaving her job in the company's Civic Integrity Unit. 
On Wall Street, the Dow by 311 points. The Nasdaq rose 178. More at townhall.com. Right now, people are home with their pets more often, and I think especially with the shedding, they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue. Nala's got some skin issues. He gets really going and scratching. Excessive shedding, a lot of just scratching and itching. Digging, scratching and itching and biting. On top of that, he was starting to get black buildup in his ears. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just heard the Dynavite commercial so many times that I said, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I ordered it and tried it, and it worked. We started Dynavite and in our first box, we noticed a difference, especially with the shedding. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. We've got four dogs, all different ages, all different sizes, and they've all just responded really well to the Dynavite, and they all love it. We will be using Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. We order our Dynavite from Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot Here's the townhall.com business brief. Stocks closing with solid gains on Wall Street, erasing most of the previous day's losses. The S&P 500 rose 1.1% with technology companies and banks leading the gains. The Dow rose 9 tenths percent. The Nasdaq was up 1.3%. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note rose 1.53 percent. Energy prices rose again with U.S. oil climbing to just under $79 per barrel, closing uh, up 1.7 percent. The Dow was up 311 points today, finishing at 34,314. The Nasdaq gained 178 to 14,433. The S&P 500 tacked on 45 points to 4,345. New York oil rose $1.31, closing at $78.93 a barrel. With business, I'm John Scott. News and analysis at townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The world. We all have a common struggle, and today on Focus on the Family, Ken Davis describes that. Money calls to. 